seated. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, for this opportunity to gather here freely and worship you. And as we do gather here to worship you, clear our minds of all that weighs us down, of all that distracts us, so that we may receive what you have for us this day. May my, Take my words, Lord, and make them yours. In Jesus' name, amen. We come to our gospel passage, and even as I was reading it, you can feel the power of the message of the words here as we take this Sunday uh, once a year to remember the baptism of Jesus. And, of course, there are certain things we do in the church year like that where we remember or we come to certain points in the church year. And, And the truth is that when we say remember Baptism. We don't just remember the baptism of Jesus, but we remember our own baptism. The truth is, however, most of us, many of us, can't remember our baptism. We were too young to necessarily remember it or to have experienced it. But when we think about the word remember, and you've probably heard me say this before, we break it apart a little bit and we, we take the re and we remember. In other words, we reconnect with, we become a part of, once again, our baptism. To associate, to remind ourselves of baptism. To associate ourselves with the baptism of Jesus. And you see, baptism is not just a one-time event. It is not solely a sacrament. There is so much more to baptism. Baptism is the covenant of God. It is embracing God's promise that we are chosen to be God's adopted children. But as I said, baptism is more than a sacrament. It is where we find our hope. It is where our identity is found. Are we merely a sum of our sins, mistakes, and our failures? Or are we something so much more? This is one of the many questions that we have answered in baptism. We start the story with John the Baptist, an interesting fellow to say the least. And his baptism was different. Of course, this is his namesake. He is the one who prepared the way for Jesus. He baptized before this moment. But you've got to understand, John is not the first to baptize. Baptism is not new with John. That oftentimes the Jews, as a part of a cleansing ritual, would cleanse, would baptize the people. Cleanse them as a part of the cleanliness laws, as, as a ritual. But this was different. What John was doing different, not just because John was different, not just because this was happening in the river where people were immersed, But it was also different because John's message was a bit different. You see, this was not just a ritual. It was not just a cleansing. Instead, John was preaching this message of repentance from sins. John was offering people not just a cleansing for a moment, but offering people the promise of God, beginning to share the story of God's covenant. And so this is a baptism, this is one that certainly did not need to be repeated. But John here also talks about this idea of confessing of sins. And 
you know, we don't always understand what that means necessarily, and this concept of sin is certainly a difficult one, far too difficult for me to get to in this sermon, or maybe even in one sermon by itself. But understand what John was saying here when he was talking about confessing of sins and repenting. He was talking about rejecting the way of the sinful life and, and, and choosing to repent, which means to turn around and embrace a new life. Embrace the new life in this one Jesus who he was about to baptize. And so that was John's message. And it's interesting because he says this, one who comes after me. This, of course, speaks to Jesus being different than John, more significant than John. This, of course, speaks to John understanding who he was and who he wasn't. But it also speaks to something more important. That when John uses this phrase, after me, he's doing a couple things. He's, he's foreshadowing, I believe, what Jesus will say is the primary call of discipleship, to follow after Jesus that living out the baptized life is to follow after Jesus. But also, John here is pointing to the future. He is pointing to the truth that in baptism we don't live in the past. We don't live in the things that have gone well or, more importantly, the things that have gone poorly. We don't live in our past. We live in the future. And that God has something greater in store for us. That this is part of the message of baptism, of repentance. That God has something greater in store for us. This is the joy of the baptism act, of the baptism covenant, of the baptism promise. That God has something so much more in store for us. We see here in this moment, this powerful moment, Jesus being baptized. But understand the story of Jesus doesn't start with his baptism. We know this inherently. We just got done with Christmas time and celebrating the birth of Jesus. But the story of Jesus doesn't start with his baptism. In fact, the story of Jesus doesn't even start with Mary and Joseph. The story of Jesus goes back to the beginning of creation. That from the very beginning, God had intended to be with his people. God had intended to choose his people. God had intended to save his people. God had intended to love and be with his people. But Jesus, much like us, is embracing this truth. That God is working his purposes out. God has, and has from the very beginning, been working his purposes out. That is part of the joy. You see, in baptism, we don't actually do anything ourselves. Whether as infants or adults, we don't do anything. We, all we do is we simply are embracing what already is. This idea that in baptism we do something special and then God does something is, is flawed. No, we're just embracing what already is. We're just embracing what has been since the beginning of creation, that God loves us, that God chooses us, that we are God's adopted children. We are simply embracing this promise. We are simply embracing this covenant. That it is God who acts, not us. And so oftentimes with these things, we get confused. We think that it is us. Oftentimes when talking to smaller children, I like to use the, this example. 
When I talk to them about baptism, I'll, I'll say, what if I promise to take you out for ice cream? Now, I know ice cream doesn't sound real good right about now, but bear with me. If I make a promise to you to take you out to ice cream, does that mean that you now already have ice cream? Well, no. But do you have to do anything to get the ice cream? Well, no, you promised. But you have to embrace it. You have to embrace the promise. You have to go. You have to simply accept this gift, this promise, this covenant that God has for you. All we're doing in baptism, and it's not a small thing, understand, is we're embracing God's promise. We're embracing God's covenant. We're accepting this gift that God chooses us, that God loves us, that God wants to be with us. And God doesn't do this out of obligation, out of guilt, out of necessity. That this is a free and joyful choice that God chooses you and I. A free and joyful choice. It is God's elective love. That is part of what we see in the words offered to Jesus in the baptism of Jesus. God elects to choose us. God chooses us. A pure, joy-filled choice. And that's our identity. Our identity is found in our baptism, that we are the beloved children of God. We are the beloved children of God. It's a piece of who we are. You see, baptism is about the repentance of sin. Baptism is about the promise and covenant of God. Baptism is a sacrament. But it's even more. It's where our identity is found. The joyfully chosen from the beginning, adopted and loved children of God. You know, it's interesting to me that... Um, I, I, I love this passage in so many ways. But, but the thing that, that always grabs a hold of me is verse 11. And this is the words that the Father offers to Jesus in this moment, in this holy moment of baptism. And I'll be honest, these words, you are my son with whom I love, with you I am well pleased. These words have always struck me. And I've spoken about and thought about and preached on these words over and over again. So many times I wonder if I worry that they lose meaning or if, if they're repetitive for me. But even as I was looking at it this time and studying this week, I was reminded that each time I come to these words, they have a new meaning for me. They have a new significance that these words are important to us, that these words are not just words for Jesus, but these are words for us as well. That these are words of identity. Sure, in this moment, the Father is identifying Jesus as his Son. He's talking about the perfection of who Jesus is. But these are words that he's also offering for us. I came across an interesting quote, and go ahead and put that up there for me. Uh, an interesting quote in reading about this by the great scholar N.T. Wright, who writes so brilliantly, uh, particularly of the New Testament. And this is what he said about this passage, this verse in particular. The whole Christian gospel could be summed up in this point, that when the living God looks at us 
at every baptized and believing Christian, he says to us what he said to Jesus on that day. He sees us not as we are in ourselves, but as we are in Jesus Christ. It sometimes seems impossible, especially to people who have never had this kind of support from their earthly parents, but it's true. God looks at us and says, You are my dear, dear child. I'm delighted with you. Try reading that sentence slowly with your own name at the start and reflect quietly on what God is saying to you, both at your baptism and every day since. I'm actually going to invite us to experience that sentence once again, and I, I will say you, and then after I say you, in your mind, insert your name, and I invite you to close your eyes and hear these words. Insert your name after I offer that first word. You are my dear, dear child. I'm delighted with you. Open your eyes and understand that this is our identity in baptism. This is your identity in baptism. That we are called to embrace this identity. You see, faith of course, which we understand to believe trust, is living by a different reality than the rest of the world. Living by a different reality than the one that is just offered to us in any given moment. Living by a different story, a different narrative that we are the beloved children of God. And the truth is, in baptism, we recognize that we are God's adopted children. We embrace that promise. We embrace that covenant. But more importantly, we accept, embrace, and live out this identity, that we are God's beloved children, regardless of what we do, regardless of what we say, regardless of how we perform, regardless of our past, our present, or our future. And even when we can't see that, even when we can't understand that, even when we can't hear that, can't feel that, it's still true. That regardless of what I or you think, believe, or feel in any moment, you are, I am, we are still God's beloved children with whom he is well pleased. And that's the joy of faith. It's not our action, it's God's. It's already happened. It's already there. That you are God's beloved child. Regardless. Regardless. It's already true. And that's the joy of baptism. In baptism, we are simply embracing that truth. We are simply embracing this identity and tossing away all the other identities that get put on us, whether in because of family, because of career, because of circumstances, because of, because of culture, because of status, because of successes, because of failures. We throw all of that away. And we simply recognize that, be, that in baptism, we find new identity is God's 
beloved children. And the truth is that faith, that life post-baptism, is simply living in that identity. As we or our parents embraced this promise, embraced this covenant for us, we get to embrace this identity, not just when we think about baptism, not just when we're baptized, but each and every day, in each and every moment. You see, affirming our baptism is simply reminding ourselves of this identity that perhaps we might have lost, reminding ourselves of this covenant, of this promise of God. That we are the chosen, adopted, beloved children of God. And that just as the Father looks down on Jesus in this moment and says, This is my Son, my beloved. With him I am well pleased. So in our baptism, so in our daily living, God looks down at us and said, This is my beloved son or daughter. With them I am well pleased. Embrace this identity. Live your baptism. Let us pray. God, we thank you for these words, for this time we have to gather to think about the baptism of Jesus, to be reminded of your promise, of your covenant, that we are more than the sum of our successes, failures, mistakes, personality, gifts, weaknesses, but that we are your chosen, adopted, and beloved children. Something you intended from the very beginning. And while we recognize, God, that it's not what we do, that it's what you do, help us to embrace this covenant. Help us to embrace this promise of your baptism. Help us to know that we are your children, beloved and with whom we are well pleased. With, with him you are well pleased. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Please stand as we.